This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly sunny today, high near 67. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 45. Friday, sunshine, high near 70. An Enwell man has died after being struck by a train in the town of Union. On September 11th, Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to a 911 call of a pedestrian train accident near the area of Pearl Street between South Kelly Avenue and South Avenue B in the town of Union. Joey Rosa of Endwell was pronounced dead at the scene. An investigation by Broome County Sheriff's Office deputies found that Rosa had been known to frequent the area and was on the tracks as the train approached. The conductor of the train attempted to signal multiple times to get Rosa's attention, but Rosa did not move off the tracks. The engineer was unable to stop the train, and Rosa was struck and killed. Investigators have ruled the incident an accident. Taxpayers will pay less on their property tax rate once again in 2024 under the proposed budget delivered by Broome County Executive Jason Garner Wednesday evening. The average county taxpayer will see a 4% reduction in their rate next year. The sixth straight year, Garner has proposed a tax cut. The $447 million budget also includes new investments in the county's workforce, major capital projects that will break ground or be completed in 2024, a sixth round of the successful small community fund, new housing developments, and an increase for the county's dedicated veterans fund. The 2024 budget will have similar effects for Broome County with targeted investments including $3.4 million more for county employees, hundreds of new units of housing, completion of the largest parks improvement program in county history, renovation of the Greater Binghamton Airport, breaking ground on the county's new Veterans Resource Center, building on record-breaking road improvement projects, a sixth round of the successful Small Community Fund, and a 20% increase to the county's dedicated Veterans Fund. Escaped murderer Danielle Calvacante has been taken to a Pennsylvania state prison outside Philadelphia after his capture Wednesday morning. Calvacante was caught after eluding hundreds of searchers for two weeks in rural southeastern Pennsylvania. Tactical teams with search dogs located him after a plane with a thermal imaging camera picked up his heat signal. No shots were fired. Cavacante broke out of the Chester County Jail on August 31st while awaiting transfer to a state prison to serve a life sentence for fatally stabbing an ex-girlfriend in 2021. He was arraigned on an escape charge before police took him to prison. The first wind farm in the Binghamton area is close to going into commercial operation as the project's link to the grid has been energized. More than two dozen turbines in the Bluestone Wind Project in eastern Broome County are being commissioned. Northland Power of Toronto is the owner of the wind farm. Company spokesperson said the final stage of getting the project ready started last week. Northland Power expects to add more units each week until the project reaches full output by the end of the month. The 122-megawatt project consists of 26 turbines, 
four are located in the town of Windsor, with the majority of the units in the town of Sanford. Commercial operation of the Bluestone Wind Project initially was scheduled to begin by the end of last year, but the timetable was revised due to various issues, including delays in making the connection to NYSEG's network. In Broome County Court, Basil Vanavangsa of Binghamton was sentenced to three and a half years in New York State Prison plus five years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to three counts of felony criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree. He admitted that on July 26, 2022, in the town of Binghamton, he illegally possessed a loaded 38 caliber revolver, a 12-gauge sawed-off shotgun, an SKS semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine equipped with a bayonet mount. Police responded to the Vestal Hills Country Club in the town of Binghamton to a report of a man shot with a crossbow. Fedevangaska had been shot by Carson Vanco with an arrow after a dispute. Fedevangaska, who fired shots from the revolver at but did not hit Vanco, recovered from his injury. Vanco pleaded guilty to assault in the first degree and is serving eight years in New York State Prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. News Radio 1290, WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Coming up on our program, your opportunity to discuss the issues facing America. So stay tuned. I'll let you know when you are able to call in, talk about the issues that you think are most important to Broome County and America. First, we welcome back to the program Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Good morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. Well, that's good. So am I. Let's talk about the budget address you presented, your budget address to uh, lawmakers and county residents at the Oakdale Commons on Wednesday afternoon. Tell me uh, some of the big highlights of what you outlined. Yeah, I'll just, uh, you know, you know, jot, you know, talk about a couple things, and if you have questions about them and want to go further, we can. But uh, you know, we we had the um, the budget address at the Hotel Commons because uh, you know I, I do try to do my budget address and state of the county addresses where uh, to highlight certain things in the community, and I think um, the transformation of the mall has been uh, a really important thing that's happening in our community for a lot of reasons. Um, Five, six years ago, this mall was going to close, and, you know, look what's happened. And, you know, of course, having the largest sticks house sport, you know, house of sport uh, store in the world as a backdrop to the budget address was really important. But the takeaway from the budget 
is that for the sixth straight year in a row, we are cutting taxes, cutting property taxes. Um, Broome County taxpayers will see a reduction in, of about 4% in the property tax rate. And uh, a couple other things that are uh, of interest, um, we're going to add a strategic response group to the sheriff's office. This is going to basically add sheriff's deputies that will be able to go into targeted, targeted areas and uh, kind of uh, focus on hot spot, spots of crime throughout the, the community. Um, we're going to have another record-breaking road construction uh, season in 2024. We've uh, had three or four straight years of uh, every year there's, we, we build more roads, record amount of roads um, than ever before. Um, we're investing in our workforce. We're going to add about $3.5 million more um, to our county workforce to retain and attract new employees because that's something that you know we, along with other companies, have been wrestling with for a few years since COVID. And uh, we're going to do another round of small community grants, which has been a really successful program. We funded 80 projects so far over the past few years um, in uh, in these small community grants. Uh, and then um, just some other infrastructure uh, things that were, uh, that, that you've probably heard about, but that, you know, certainly had to be uh, funded in the budget, the airport renovation, Griffin Park renovation. And then we're also, uh, something you might not have heard of, we're uh, partnering with BCC to uh, do a renovation of the Decker Health Science Building. Um, one of the things that we really want to increase is the number of healthcare employees in the workforce in Broome County, and, and that will play a part in that. So um, it's, a, it's a budget that protects taxpayers and at the same time making uh, some pretty critical investments in our community. So will the county workforce have to be cut at all in 2024? Nope, there's no cuts in the county workforce. Will you be able to hire more people and try to fill a lot of the unfilled positions that, that still exist in some departments? I hope so, because, uh, you know, over the past few years, I would say since I came into office, we made about 500 upgrades to to positions. That's in addition to uh, employees' regular salary increases through their union contracts. We made upgrades, but um, we're, uh, we've uh, worked out a preliminary tentative agreement with our largest, largest bargaining unit to uh, do some across-the-board salary increases at all levels with CSEA which we think will be able to retain and attract more people. So we're, uh, it, it was not an easy budget to do. Um, I think I've talked to, about this on your program before, but the state had um, made some uh, pretty drastic uh, funding changes to counties, cut aid to counties, uh, Medicaid, $5 million of Medicaid aid then required us to pay more and, for attorney uh, salaries and minimum wage and other types of things, the st- state budget this year probably added another seven to eight million dollars uh, to the county budget um, just by those various things that they did. So it was kind of a challenging budget year, but um, you know we we think that uh, we've come out with a really responsible budget that um, you know once again cuts property taxes but makes important investments. People want to see. You know, infrastructure increases. People want to see public safety, and um, they also want to make sure that their their uh, wallets are protected. And I think this budget does it. 
Speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on WNBF, it's 9-16 on Thursday morning. As you know, though, there are still uh, some people in uh, county employment, including many in the Social Services Department, who remain unhappy and they want more done to improve conditions, hire more people, be able to um, improve the, the overall efficiency or operations of the Social Services Department. Can more be done? Well, that's probably not the right question. Always more can be done. It will more be done to try to address some of those ongoing concerns? Well, more is being done because as, as, uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing in the budget is we are giving um, across the board salary increases to members of CSEA and all those people that are in those departments that you talked about are in CSEA. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a, um, you know, I have an, a limited amount of money um, and funding, right? You have to balance the, the needs of your workforce with the taxpayers. And, you know, I, I think we've done that. We've, uh, you know, again, 500 upgrades to positions, um, better union contracts than what the previous administration was giving. And we did a we did a bonus last year for the first time. I think in 20 years, we gave county employees a, a bonus. And then this year, um, being able to rework an agreement that will add, um, you know, three and a half million dollars to, uh, you know, across, in, across the board salary increases. Um, I think those are real things. And uh, is it everything that everybody wants? No, but that's, that's you know, that's called compromise. And that's, uh, I don't get everything I want. You don't get everything you want. And that's just the way the world works. But what we try to do is we try to, uh, each and every year, we try to do uh, better. And um, and this is a, uh, this is a good example of that. It's a good example of compromise and balance, balancing the needs of everybody's interests in our community. And we'll continue our conversation with the county executive in just a moment. I'm Bob Joseph. We're live and local for you on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. Looking for- WNBF at 922, live and local on a Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. And the softball complex has been remodeled. That's the facility near SUNY Broome Community College in the town of Dickinson. And the naming rights have been awarded. Uh, days ago, we announced that we have formed a partnership with Greenlight Networks, and they're going. We have a five-year agreement um, with Greenlight, with another five-year renewal option after that uh, for the naming rights for our new softball complex. So the the whole facility is going to be called Greenlight Networks Grand Slam Park, and we are just about finished with all the renovations. The the place to not have turf. Before we put in all turf fields, there's four of these softball fields, and then um, we put lights up there so that you can have more games during the the week. And we really expect that this is just gonna. It's, this first of all, this is great for our local softball players. Um, we are kind of like a hotbed of softball. There, you know, I think last year there there were like several local softball teams that went to the state championships, won state championships. But we also expect that this is going to draw 
teams from around the state and from around the country. It's really a one-of-its-kind facility in New York State to have all these types of amenities. We're really glad Greenlight is partnering with us on this. So this this agreement is worth about $50,000 to the county every year. In addition to that, what I think is really cool and really going to help the the whole facility stand out from other facilities across the nation is they're going to provide high-speed internet uh, at no cost to the facility, which is really going to be helpful. A lot of uh, softball players that come in, they want to, you know, it'll allow us to uh, get video for them, uh, stream games and, and things like that. And these are the, the types of things that the parents need. So we we really think this is going to be great for tourism. A lot of people are going to come from outside of Broome County, stay at hotels, go to our restaurant, shop here. That's going to be, you know, provide a little boost for our economy as well. But um, we're really exciting to, to partner with them. They're they're obviously a really exciting company that's expanding uh, very fast throughout the the county, and um, we think it's a great partnership. Did the county have other uh, bids, other uh, companies that also sought the naming rights? We didn't. We did. We didn't get that many proposals. How many? Five, yeah, a couple. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we made an announcement about it. We, you know, we, we messaged it out and, um, it's, it's typically not something that you do, right? I mean, typically you don't see a lot of, uh, except for, you know, some of the largest facilities like Corsa, you know, in the County, the, uh, the visions veterans Memorial arena, we have naming rights with visions. The city has naming rights with, uh, Marabito over at the rumble pony stadium. But other than that, you don't really see anything like that happen. So, um, but we were really fortunate to to have a great proposal by Greenlight, and we're really happy about that. It's going to be uh, going to be pretty exciting, and we will we are doing it. We're actually having our first tournament this weekend. We uh, there's still some landscaping that we need to do with the park, but the the fields are definitely playable and ready. Um, we'll have a few more tournaments for the rest of the year and in, in games, and then we'll do a grand opening and. March or April next year when everything is completely done. But uh, we've got a really busy schedule ahead of us next year. There's going to be tons of teams coming in here and playing. Really excited about it. Do you know Mark Murphy, the guy who founded Greenlight Networks and is the CEO of the company? I do. I do. He's a really great guy and a local guy. Um, he was. You know. uh, he went to Seton Catholic Central. He grew up on Binghamton's West Side. Yeah, big West Sider. And, uh, you know, he was at the announcement and he was really excited about it. And, uh, we're really excited that, uh, a local guy who's like kind of built out this really wonderful company that's now in a lot of different parts of the state is, is, uh, you know, wants to partner with us on, on this project. And, um, not, not just the, you know, the, the funding that he's going to be putting up for the naming rights, but, you know, contributing to, you know, giving us a high speed internet that's really going to set, this facility apart from other facilities across the nation. We're really glad that he's, he and his company are partnering with us on this. I think it's great. 927 are talking with Broome County executive, Jason Garner. Uh, I see more money will be set aside for Broome County's veterans fund. And that was part of your budget proposal. Also, we've been talking about the uh, significant project, for a veteran services center originally proposed for the old Vestal Hills Country Club site out in the town of Binghamton. But now the project is being developed on the north side of Binghamton off Shenango Street. What's the status of that project? 
Yeah, just, just so a couple things. Yeah, you're, you're right. We did increase our veterans fund every year. We provide a whole bunch of uh, services to veterans um, in a number of different ways. We spend about $125,000 a year. We're one of the few counties that, that does this. We're going to increase that fund 20% to provide more services. And the budget also includes the uh, the capital money needed to build the facility. And uh, the update on the facility is that the uh, the bids for building the facility are out in the street as we speak, and I believe they're they're due back by the end of the month. So, um, you know, we we've already got. A, I think we had a pre bid conference with with our Department of Public Works where bidders can come in and and ask, you know, questions about the project as they prepare their different types of construction bids. And my understanding um, in talking to uh, one of the engineers that works for the county on the project that's working on that is there's a high level of interest uh, amongst local contractors to do this project. So that's pretty exciting too. But uh, bids will be back by the end of the month. And, you know, we, we expect to uh, start start the construction shortly thereafter. It's 929 at WNBF. About 11 months ago, there was a big ceremony at the old IBM Country Club property on Watson Boulevard between Johnson City and Endwell. And finally, the uh, old building buildings were torn down. But uh, there was uh, an expectation at last October's ceremony announcing the details of the demolition that groundbreaking for a new apartment complex on that site would happen in the spring. Why hasn't that happened yet? They're just waiting for state funding. So a lot of these housing projects, especially affordable housing projects, need funding from the state. And we expect that will be obtained uh, by the end of this year. And we expect the groundbreaking next year. But uh, the state funding round just opened up uh, for this particular project. We expect that this project will get the funding that they need from the state. The state really likes the project. And once that uh, funding is announced, then we'll be able to, to start the project. So we, we do believe that it will be this year. It was it was delayed, um, but, uh, you know, we, we expect that, that that will happen. And um, probably uh, in the spring, we'll be able to, to start the groundbreaking on that. Of course, with delays, that means the cost of the project will be higher. Everything is increasing, labor, material costs. Does that ultimately mean um, that the project could have to be redesigned or would it have an impact on on other aspects? I mean, it's uh, been said it would be a 75-unit apartment complex. Does the delay uh, pretend any any potential problems or need for uh, revisions of the original plan? Nope. The uh, developers are still going forward with the the project that they presented, and I think they've gone through all the the planning approvals. And really, it's just a matter of just uh, you know securing that that final piece of the puzzle, the state funding, and they'll be able to to go move forward with the project in very much the same way that um, they talked about the project being about a year ago. Were people surprised by the funding delays from Albany? No, the, so the the it getting money for housing from the state is extremely competitive. I, I think this is one of the things that I I wish the state would do more of. Um, and in Broome County, um, 
I have to give some kudos to the mayor of the city of Ableton, Jared Cram, who's really been working hard to uh, to build out more types of housing in his community. Um, Broome County has a number of diff- different housing projects that are ready to go, just like this one that we're talking about, probably like five or six other large-scale housing projects that are simply waiting for funding from the state. And we're a little bit different than some other communities. Um, some communities uh, don't really have a lot of these projects going on. We have been working to, you know, with local developers and some non-local developers to bring in more housing because it's a huge issue that we have in Broome County. But, um, you know, and again, a, a lot of these, most of these, I think all of these projects are just simply waiting for the, their funding approvals to come through in the state. The dog park is uh, nearly complete. I took it upon myself to uh, take a, a tour of the dog park that's being developed at the north end of Otsunango Park in the town of Shenango. How yep. soon could that dog park open? Uh, the last thing I heard from our, our parks director was that uh, prob- probably a couple weeks. Um, we, uh, I think you, you had been there this past weekend, uh, most of the fencing is up. That was the, the large part of the project that that we were kind of waiting on. But, um, you know, that we have a water line that's getting installed right now, and we're just waiting for some uh, signs and benches and, you know, some trees that we have to plant and some garbage cans to come here. They haven't, they, they've been on order, but we expect them to be there in the next next few weeks. So uh, we're, we're Cautiously hoping that we can open the dog park in at the end of this month, just in a in a in a couple more weeks, and uh, we hope that your your dogs are the first dogs to 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 be able to run freely out there. I showed them the pictures and video, and uh, both <laughs> of them paws up. They they looked excited. Yeah, it's gonna look it's gonna be really nice, and we're we're excited about that, and that. It, it's one of those things people have been asking about. I know that you ask about it on the show all the time, but there's a lot of interest in it. I think there's a lot of, must be a lot of dog walkers or, uh, that, that want to run their dogs around because um, it's a question I often get as to when the, when the, the dog park is going to get open. But it should be open up soon. One thing I forgot to ask you about getting back to the old IBM Country Club site and one, one of the, I think, most uh, intriguing things is that cornerstone that was dated 1951 and was salvaged before the uh, country club buildings were torn down. And we had hoped that in spring that uh, that cornerstone that may contain something, who knows, could be just a newspaper clipping about Thomas J. Watson or maybe there are more things. But uh, we were hoping that that could have been opened this year so we could see what was going on back in the early 50s. Can that cornerstone be open sooner than the whenever can, the groundbreaking happens? The, I can talk to the IDA. So the IDA owns the property and the, the whole idea of, you know, we, we I think they kind of wanted to open up that, uh, I guess it's a time capsule of sorts or, you know, something like that. They, they wanted to open that up right around the same time that they did the groundbreaking ceremony. Um, now that that's been delayed a little bit, I can certainly talk to Stacey Duncan and see if she wants to, you know, uh, I think our hist- uh, our county historian, Roger Luther, would love to get into that as well. Um, but, yeah, definitely it's something that uh, we can certainly ask them about and see if they could do that a little bit early because I'm actually intrigued as to what's in that as well. 
Yeah, and we've been waiting since at least October 20th. I I offered to take that cornerstone and uh, for safekeeping, but uh, you you declined that offer. <laughs> it's not my choice. It's uh, it's owned by the. Well, I should have had, the county, uh, next uh, time. EA. Next time I. Uh, Speak with Stacy Duncan. I'll ask her because I could see to it that it's kept in good shape. Might even clean up the top there. The because uh, there's a, a copper top to that uh, inside the cornerstone with a message from IBM's founder Thomas J. Watson. I think that there's a. I I, I hope and, and think that there's going to be a lot of intriguing history inside of that. And I'm, you know, like you, I'm. Excited and interested to know uh, what the the vault contains. I hope it's not a you know Geraldo Rivera thing. You know, <laughs> remember thirty or forty years ago, he went into Al Capone's vault and then really didn't find anything. But um, I, th- I have a feeling that there's some some really interesting history in there, and I'm looking forward to for, to us opening up and seeing what that all is. And so, as county executive, would you encourage the IDA to set up something? <laughs> How about on the uh, one-year anniversary of the announcement on October twentieth, and that, that way, that way, the IDA could provide an update on the apartment projects, and that that way, it kind of helps Broome County residents know the project is still alive, even though it didn't well, start as soon as as expected. I can definitely talk to. Uh to, to Stacy about that and uh, see if we can do that then. But I, I do want to reassure county residents that, you know, sometimes delays happen. In this case, it was, you know, just waiting on, on funding from the state, but um, that project's going to happen and it's just not going to happen on the time, you know, as quick as we thought it was going to be, but it, but it will happen along with other housing projects that are, that are going to occur in the community. It's 938. We're talking with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner on this Thursday morning. Five years ago, an emergency declaration was issued to tear down that wall, uh, not that wall, that old Phillips Foundry building on Frederick Street in the city of Binghamton. And there has been hope and speculation about that general area of the city that uh, has has not received a whole lot of attention over the last several years, you've got industrial buildings and an old DOT structure that stand there, and it's the uh, uh, look is atrocious. I mean, fortunately, people don't sure. live close by, but it's it's been said that there could potentially be some opportunities for commercial or maybe industrial development in that part of the city. And I know you've said in the past that there might be uh, something in the works. What's the status of of trying to get new development for that little corner of the city of Binghamton? Yeah, I mean that that was something that we did five years ago because we knew that in order to get any type of interest in that property, we really had to tear that that huge building down. It's an incredible eyesore, and um, there's no update on it. But there is a developer that is working on redeveloping the property, and I would expect. Uh, soon at some point there will be some type of an announcement made on it. There's just a, a couple things the developer has to do to, uh, you know, clear the decks, so to speak. But uh, there, there is active interest in the property and there is active plans to redevelop the property. But um, in, until the developer is ready to give it a green light, I, I'm certainly not going to talk about, uh, you know, that be- until the developer does. 
but it's still a possibility. Absolutely. And we're definitely far, you know, definitely a lot closer than we were before, um, you know, before we had that building tore down. That, that, that's why, you know, uh, we've got to work on getting rid of a lot of these eyesores across Broome County. We've done a really good job over the past five or six years of doing that because when you do things like that, it makes it a lot easier for us to be able to redevelop the property. And um, it's my hope and my expectation that, um, you know, in the next uh, few months, three to six months, we'll be hearing about some concrete plans to redevelop the site, which is really important because it's probably one of our, the last eyesores of Broome County, like real big industrial eyesores that, that's left in Broome County, left to, to clean up and redevelop. One of the biggest, if not the most notorious eyesores in Broome County had been the Victory Building in Johnson City, and now has been converted into 156 apartments, uh, maybe some commercial space. We've also been hearing, though, that that perhaps Matthew Paulus is considering putting more apartments in that building because the the upper floor, which originally was expected to be uh, leased out for commercial or other purposes, uh, could also potentially be used for more residential units. What have you heard? I haven't heard about any plans to do anything um, new with the, the commercial space in the building. I know that he's looking to redevelop 19th Avenue uh, B, which is the building uh, right in front of that building with the, uh, t- the trees growing out of it. So uh, we're really happy that he has interest in redeveloping that site. And I think in the next month or two, you'll hear, hear more concrete plans on that. But I haven't heard any updates on uh on the, on the Victory Building renovation, except the fact that I've been inside the building, and it's absolutely amazing to see what he's done with the facility. I think he's probably going to have a grand opening pretty soon because everything is done on the building. Um, the place is uh, pretty well rented out already, and it's exactly what we thought would happen. Um, he did a great job over at the Ansco Camera Factory, and we're really glad to see all the work that he's done over here too. We talked about naming rights earlier in our segment and the one thing that we didn't touch on and it seems to me that it could potentially be a, a viable opportunity for the county the forum theater uh the arena obviously the naming rights have been awarded divisions the uh, softball field green light networks what about uh, the forum theater in downtown binghamton it's not a bad idea i think it's something that we can definitely take a look at. I mean, we've really been busy with the, the budget this year, but it's uh, definitely an, an interesting idea and um, something that, you know, like you said, considering the fact that we have naming rights for the arena and now with the, the Grand Slam Park, we could definitely look at some other places like the Forum if people were interested in that. And finally, one thing that we almost always touch on when you're on the program is the status of the Greater Binghamton Airport. Give us a quick update on the state of the airport, including um, the scheduled flight service and also the uh, the big renovation project that needs to be done over the next year. Yeah, so uh, bid, we have a number of different construction bids that are coming in. Some have already been awarded. Um, kind of uh, the, we've done some preliminary work on the site. We d- demolished one of the, the old buildings at the site. The funding's all secured. Um, so we're definitely getting into that project. We'll, we'll probably have a form, formal groundbreaking soon. 
and uh, passengers will, you know, people that go up to the airport will definitely start to see a lot of progress made on the airport very soon. They'll start to see some real actual uh, construction. It is a $50 million project. Um, in terms of uh, flights, no, nothing new to announce, but uh, one thing that I will tell you is that uh, the amount of people that have flown out of the Broome County Airport um, from uh, January to today compared to January at the same time last year has increased uh, over 175%. And of course, that's due mainly to the new Avella flight and also uh, due to the additional flight that we got to New York City. So um, that's good news. We're hoping to build on that next year and increase the number of passengers flying out of here. Hopefully we can uh, pick up some more service as well. Will Avello add destinations? I hope so. We're working with them to do that. They uh, Right now it just comes down to the number of planes that uh, they can buy and how fast they can uh, you know, procure them and, and put them out to, to different routes. But we are one of the most, uh, the highest performing Avello uh, route that was newly added in the past year. We're like right up there. So they really like what, you know, what's happened here. And, um, you know, we're, so as a result of that, we're uh, involved in the negotiations to, uh, you know, get some other routes with Avello and, and with other carriers as well. Mark Kiefner does a great job. Uh, meeting with airlines on a regular basis and uh, getting them to uh, consider looking at us to add more flights out of there. And, you know, his hard work has certainly paid off this year, and we're, we're hopeful that his hard work can uh, pay off next year and years to come. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. Thanks. It's 945. We're live and local. On a Thursday morning, this is WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Stay connected with WNBF using the free WNBF app. It's 9.50. Bob Joseph live on WNBF Thursday. And we are here for you, if you have thoughts, you know how to get in touch with me, because your call is important to me. It really is. We're not just saying it, because they gave us a script and said to say, your call is important to me. Well, that's, <laughs> I know, most businesses, well, when you set up your voicemail, make sure you uh, say, your call is important to me. But don't make it too sincere. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Mostly sunny today, 67. Mainly clear tonight, 45. Sunny tomorrow, 70. Partly sunny Saturday, 70. And right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 56 at News Radio. WNBF and WNBF.com. Take a look at WNBF.com for some very interesting stories you likely won't see elsewhere. Why do we do it? Because that's the mission. So you drive past the convenience store near Binghamton University and say, wow, it's too bad I can't get any gas or beer or cigarettes there. How inconvenient. And so we went over to take a look at what's up and 
Well, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? They uh, they took out all the gasoline tanks and diesel tank and <sighs> so anyway, it's always fascinating to see uh, people working and uh, replacing petroleum tanks. I think in the long run that'll give people a better driving experience. So if you're looking forward to a better gasoline purchasing experience, I guess, will be coming to that uh, convenience store over on the parkway. I'm going to look at details. I, I'm always intrigued to see how they do stuff. And the workers at these projects are always intrigued that anyone is actually interested in how it works. But, hey, it's fascinating. You can't just, you would think, or you would hope, that when a gasoline and diesel storage tanks have to be replaced, which they do every so often, uh, you would hope they could do it in a few days, but no, it takes, looks like it takes a few weeks. So we haven't heard back from the company. We want to get somebody on from the company to talk about the work. Maybe somebody said this would be a good opportunity for the company that runs that, which is now with the 7-Eleven company. You ever heard of them? The 7-Eleven people now run the speedways because they decided they didn't have enough convenience stores. So they bought, I think it was two years ago, they bought the speedways. So even though the sign still says speedway, it's uh, essentially tantamount to doing business with 7-Eleven, which is kind of a clever name. So take a look at that. Uh, you can see what goes into replacing tanks. Who knows? Maybe it'll become Speedway Plus. Or if not Speedway Plus, maybe 7-Eleven Plus. Wouldn't that be interesting? That would get people talking. Remember back in the day? I'm old enough to remember back in Broome County when there were 7-Eleven stores. Good times. Good times. And then the 7-Eleven stores disappeared. So wouldn't it be nice to see the Speedway stores turned into 7-Elevens or 8-12s or 9-13s or, or whatever. And enhance the services. Enhance the consuming experience because that's what this country is about. Also, we have a good story at WNBF.com about those um, wind turbines. And if you've been driving down Route 17, maybe you've noticed, the or Route 41, maybe you've noticed the wind turbines are starting to spin. I know, it's shocking. When you first see them, you say, what are they trying to do there? Trying to make electricity out of the wind? And as it turns out, that's exactly what they're doing. And the company from Canada, Northland Power, based in Toronto, has uh, told us, Jessica Kitchen has told us that the final stage of getting that project in commercial operation is happening now and should finally happen by the end of this month. We were expecting it could happen by the end of 2023, but there were delays Probably negotiations between the two companies, NYSEG and Northland Power, 
That's not unique to this wind project. Lots of wind projects take time for the interconnection to be uh, energized. So anyway, if you drive down the highway out in eastern Broome County, you may see those spinning wind turbines. 956, Bob Joseph, WNBF. Looking for- this is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly sunny today, high near 67. Tonight, mostly clear, low around 45. Friday, sunshine, high near 70. An Edwell man has died after being struck by a train in the town of Union on September 11th. Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to a 911 call of a pedestrian train accident near the area of Pearl Street between South Kelly Avenue and South Avenue B in the town of Union. Joey Rosa of Endwell was pronounced dead at the scene. An investigation by Broome County Sheriff's Office deputies found that Rosa had been known to frequent the area and was on the tracks as the train approached. The conductor of the train attempted to signal multiple times to get Rosa's attention, but Rosa did not move off the tracks. The engineer was unable to stop the train, and Rosa was struck and killed. Investigators have ruled the incident an accident. Taxpayers will pay less on their property tax rate once again in 2024 under the proposed budget delivered by Broome County Executive Jason Garner Wednesday evening. The average county taxpayer will see a 4% reduction in their rate next year. The sixth straight year, Garner has proposed a tax cut. The $447 million budget also includes new investments in the county's workforce, major capital projects that will break ground or be completed in 2024, a sixth round of the successful small community fund, new housing developments, and an increase for the county's dedicated veterans fund. The 2024 budget will have similar effects for Broome County with targeted investments including $3.4 million more for county employees, hundreds of new units of housing, completion of the largest parks improvement program in county history, renovation of the Greater Binghamton Airport, breaking ground on the county's new Veterans Resource Center, building on record-breaking road improvement projects, a sixth round of the successful Small Community Fund, and a 20% increase to the county's dedicated Veterans Fund. Escaped murderer Danielle Calvacante has been taken to a Pennsylvania state prison outside Philadelphia after his capture Wednesday morning. Calvacante was caught after eluding hundreds of searchers for two weeks in rural southeastern Pennsylvania. Tactical teams with search dogs located him after a plane with a thermal imaging camera picked up his heat signal. No shots were fired. Cavacante broke out of the Chester County Jail on August 31st while awaiting transfer to a state prison to serve a life sentence for fatally stabbing an ex-girlfriend in 2021. He was arraigned on an escape charge before police took him to prison. The first wind farm in the Binghamton area is close to going into commercial operation as the project's link to the grid has been energized. More than two dozen turbines in the Bluestone Wind Project in eastern Broome County are being commissioned. 
Northland Power of Toronto is the owner of the wind farm. Company spokesperson said the final stage of getting the project ready started last week. Northland Power expects to add more units each week until the project reaches full output by the end of the month. The 122-megawatt project consists of 26 turbines. Four are located in the town of Windsor, with the majority of the units in the town of Sanford. Commercial operation of the Bluestone Wind Project initially was scheduled to begin by the end of last year, but the timetable was revised due to various issues, including delays in making the connection to NYSEG's network. In Broome County Court, Basil Vanavangsa of Binghamton was sentenced to three and a half years in New York State Prison, plus five years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to three counts of felony criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree. He admitted that on July 26, 2022, in the town of Binghamton, he illegally possessed a loaded 38 caliber revolver, a 12-gauge sawed-off shotgun, an SKS semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine equipped with a bayonet mount. Police responded to the Vestal Hills Country Club in the town of Binghamton to a report of a man shot with a crossbow. Fedevangaska had been shot by Carson Vanco with an arrow after a dispute. Fedevangaska, who fired shots from the revolver at but did not hit Vanco, recovered from his injury. Vanco pleaded guilty to assault in the first degree and is serving eight years in New York State Prison. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph, Thursday morning, taking phone calls now. The calls will be handled in the order in which they're received. 607-772-1290. Call in. Let's talk today on WNBM. You always won every time you place the bell. You're still damn good. No one's gotten to you yet. Every time they were sure that you called. You were quicker than they thought. Nice summer weather, finally, after uh, dealing with the unspeakable heat and humidity. And now, these are the days. (laughs) These are the good old days, the days that we enjoy. I was just looking now at the air quality. Even the air quality is unspeakably good. The, The air is almost too clean to breathe. I don't recall the last time... I've seen the AQI air quality index at 19. That's where it is now, kids. So if you've been breathing air over the last few months, especially if you breathed some of that air in the first week of June when the wildfire smoke was being carried by some sort of chimney effect from central Ontario, uh, 
The air quality, 19. I don't even know if that's legal. I will say this, if they put one of the air quality monitors here in downtown Binghamton, it won't be 19 because of all the cannabis smoke. So if you want good, clean, healthy air, go somewhere in the triple cities where the people aren't partaking in their favorite weed, legal weeds. They're enjoying the legal weeds. Well, the rest of us who would prefer not to partake are subjected to secondhand weed smokes. Seems to me, seems to me that if you can't wander around downtown Binghamton with a beer, or a bottle of bourbon or something, seems to me you shouldn't be able to be wandering around Binghamton smoking weed. (sighs) At least people drinking beer or whatever in downtown Binghamton, they're not forcing their habit on the rest of us. I'm I'm not judging you. I'm just saying... This, this actually even goes further. If you want to listen to loud music, loud country music or whatever, crank it up at 190 decibels, or obviously I'm exaggerating. If you want to listen to that music, go buy some headphones or whatever. Crank it up till your ears bleed. But don't necessarily affect the quality of life for everyone else around you. So, you know... This goes for cigarette smoke, tobacco, uh, cannabis, whatever. Whatever you're smoking, hey, enjoy, enjoy responsibly. If that's your, if that's what you want to do, I say go for it. It's probably good for the economy. It's certainly good for New York State taxpayers. I mean, the more revenue they can bring in, the more money they can spend on NFL stadiums. So, uh, I say. Enjoy yourself. Just don't do anything that interferes with the quality of life of other people. If I don't, I don't want to smell any secondhand smoke. I don't want to smell smoke of any kind. When I'm in downtown Binghamton, if there's a fire, I want the units to quickly extinguish the fire and deal with the smoke situation. If somebody is burning something in downtown Binghamton, I want it controlled. I don't think you are allowed to be burning stuff in downtown Binghamton. So same with people who are smoking anything. Yes, it's legal. I know. Go and legally smoke whatever you want in a place where I don't have to smell it. I don't want second or third hand smoke of any kind. Thanks. Thanks in advance. And then same with stuff like loud noise. If you want to make loud noise, Music, fireworks. Hey, if you want to play with fireworks, launch them in your basement or a soundproof room. I don't want to hear it. I'm entitled to the quiet enjoyment of the parlor city. I don't want loud noises. I don't want smoke. I just want people to respect. Respect. (laughs) I know you're saying... 
Oh, Bob, get over it. Let's see what else is going on here. Oh, may as well give the full weather forecast since it's quite delightful. Here it is from the National Weather Service. Mostly sunny today, high 67, mainly clear tonight. Some patchy fog developing with a low around 45. Sunny tomorrow, high 70. And the weekend forecast also looks quite nice. Partly sunny Saturday, high 70. Mostly sunny Sunday, high 74. And for those who need to know, the extended forecast also at the moment calls for sunny weather Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with temperatures in the low to mid-70s. So I don't know that you're going to be able to find any better weather elsewhere in the United States this week. Oh, you could find some places a bit warmer. Go to Maui and enjoy some warmer weather. But, hey, for uh, mid-September, the final week of summer, I think it's not bad. Right now it's 59 in downtown Binghamton. Bob Joseph, live and local. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. At 1021, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Coming up later today, WNBF proudly presents Dan Bongino from noon to 3 and Sean Hannity from 3 to 6. Interesting column posted on the Albany Times Union website, Chris Churchill, who seems to have common sense. He um, has been writing a column at the Times Union for a long time. The Times Union website describes Chris Churchill as one of the most well-known names and faces at the Times Union. He started his journalism career in the state of Maine. He uh, worked at a bunch of newspapers in vacation land, and then he started at the Albany Times Union as a business writer in 2007 and became a columnist in 2012. So he's been writing a column for over a decade. And today's column is interesting. I haven't read the entire column, but I've scanned it. The headline, 
Behold the staggering idiocy of New York's marijuana rollout. Chris Churchill writes, At this point, it's almost cliche to note the stunning incompetence of the state's Office of Cannabis Management. The agency is tasked with pushing one of the world's most desired products, and yet somehow it can't find a way to get that product to market. And he points out the consequences were on full display when angry farmers, processors, and wannabe retailers flooded a cannabis control board meeting and vented about what the botched marijuana rollout has meant. Churchill writes, actually, vented isn't a strong enough word for the rage and despair directed at the board members. One woman said, this ruined my life. She said she has 500 pounds of weed sitting and rotting. She said, I feel like I'm going to hang myself. What will New York do to help small farmers like Miller, people who believed all the promises and trusted the state could make this work? Chris Churchill writes, it's going to screw them. New York is about to hand retail licenses to deep-pocketed medical marijuana firms who, among other advantages, will be allowed to grow indoors. So the small farmers... They're like a country general store sitting next to uh, New Walmart. They don't stand a chance. A farmer from Steuben County said, we've lost millions of dollars. We've done everything right, and I can't feed my children. She said she is sitting on mounds of unmovable marijuana. I beg of you to stand up for what's right so you may sleep at night. Anyway, he talks more about the, the rollouts. And the the way now the state is encouraging smoking weed. Now, hey, it's 2023. You want weed, you got weed. You want weed in Binghamton or Endicott or Johnson City or Owego, you got weed. You don't need a state-licensed store on Court Street in Binghamton or Main Street in Johnson City or on the Vestal Parkway to get your weed. You can. The packaging is nice. The instructions with how to use weed, I guess that's helpful for the uninitiated. But going to the state-licensed retailer comes at a cost. You're going to pay a lot more for your cannabis because the state needs its cut. That's why it was approved. State lawmakers didn't approve legalization of cannabis because they thought it was good for us. They thought they would approve it because they know some people would be willing to pay a substantially higher price to buy nicely packaged cannabis products with ingredient listings and the precise amount of THC listed and, again, uh, directions on how to use this. Some people will, and that's good. It's good for me. More people who buy it, that's more revenue into the state coffers. Now, I don't encourage or condone anyone to use anything, including coffee. Kids, if you drink coffee you know there could be a risk because you're consuming caffeine. So, you know, consult with your medical professional and uh, a member of the clergy to find out if you should continue using caffeine. As far as using anything, you should only consume 
healthy substances. Going back to Chris Churchill's column on the Times Union website. So it, it switches over to this. Hey, college kids, the folks that build your dorm also open the pot shop down the street, but, um, you know, don't use until you're 21. Wink, wink. And that's the thing. The, the state is going out of its way. I mean, when Governor Hochul makes an important choice. When she was in downtown Binghamton the last time, she had a choice to make. She could stop here at the radio station and take your phone calls and answer your questions about state issues, or she could go to the weed shop for a photo op. And you know her choice. She didn't want to answer your calls on live radio when she was in downtown Binghamton. Instead, when her heavily secured and tinted out uh, state vehicle, one of those big black monstrosities that gets probably about 13 miles to a gallon, probably less. She ordered the state trooper, and this is another thing, <laughs> she ordered a state trooper to drive her not to the radio station to take your questions. She ordered the state trooper and the security detail to head over to the weed shop on Court Street so she could pose for a photo op and encourage people to go and smoke your brains out. I'm paraphrasing. And that's what it's about. Uh, by the way, again, it's not about smoking your brains out. It's about the money. It's all about the money. Uh, picking up another... Another portion of Chris Churchill's column in the Times Union. So it's your tax dollars at work, folks. I look forward to the liquor authority telling dads to take the edge off parenting with vodka shots and the gaming commission suggesting that families combat those nagging bills by visiting one of the state's wonderful casinos. C pointed out there was uh, a tweet. He calls it a truly stupefying tweet that was sent out on Mother's Day by the Office of Cannabis Management. <laughs> and this is this is your tax dollars at work. And I hadn't seen this before. It's from Mother's Day. So that happened four months ago. Mothers across the nation have faced shame for their cannabis consumption. But anyone who knows a mom knows it takes more than grace to get through the day. This Mother's Day, we want to end the stigma and share some insight. Tell us how New York cannabis has helped you in motherhood. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, I mean, hey, freedom of speech, but that's your state tax dollars encouraging mothers to use cannabis. Now, I saw something the other day I hadn't seen before. I've seen a lot over the last few decades covering the news around here. But outside the legal weed shop, I saw a couple of adults sitting a few feet away from the entrance to the weed world. And they're sitting there, and and I'm approaching. And as I approach, of course, the... Delightful telltale scent of second-hand weed wafts at me. Can't escape it. I noticed as I approached, oh, well, this is, this is a nice scene, a quaint scene. 
something that Norman Rockwell would have loved. It's two adults, and they, they have a baby carriage. They had a stroller. <laughs> it's a baby carriage. It was covered up, and I thought, well, it's, you know, probably sometimes people use these things to um, move their stuff. If you have stuff that you need to move when you're going downtown, sometimes you put your stuff, say, in a, a stroller like that. So I thought, well, I'll look over as I'm walking past to go get my lunch. And I'm looking over there, and it looks to me like a two-month-old infant is in the baby carriage. I mean, she looked happy enough, but then again, she's probably enjoying the effects of cannabis. I mean, wouldn't you, if you're two months old, enjoy as your your folks spend a pleasant day in downtown Binghamton enjoying legal cannabis at the shop that Kathy Hochul, the governor, stopped by for her photo op and encouraged people to buy as much cannabis as you can. And that's, that's America in 2023. Now, I'm not judgmental, and I didn't strike up a conversation with people. You never know. You never know how it's go, uh, going to happen. I've already, today, on my way here, I already struck up conversations with people. And at first, and I have to tell you what it's like being a reporter in 2023, you have to approach people with care, especially when you don't know who they are and I'm, I'm cognizant that a lot of people don't like reporters for any number of reasons. Um, law enforcement sometimes doesn't like reporters because we want to find out what's going on. So they serve as news directors and sometimes they, oh, stop doing that. No. And it's like, no, sir, you're, you're not a news director in this country. We have freedom of the press. If you want to be a news director, quit your high-paid trooper job and get a low-paid job at a radio or TV station or a newspaper. If you want to direct the news, by all means. Yes, it's an important job, but you as law enforcement, that's not your job. Your job is to enforce the laws and the Constitution. The U.S. Constitution specifically protects the press, freedom of the press. Anyway... Uh, I digress, so I'm reporting on a story in a, a rather unpleasant place this morning, and I'm thinking, oh no, oh no, this could go either way, and some people saw me, they're in a car, and they said, why are you, why are you taking pictures, why are you taking video? And uh, so at first, it didn't look like it's going to go well, because look... In some of these neighborhoods, you, you have to operate with the assumption everybody that you're going to encounter is heavily armed with probably guns and knives. And now, fortunately, it went well. It could have, look, this could have gone sideways fast. And it, trust me, I wanted to be here to do the program from 9 to noon. I didn't want to be a statistic or be the lead story tonight on Action News at 6. So we had, we wound up having actually a pretty pleasant conversation, although much of it was not fit for broadcast. A lot of things would have to be bleeped and a lot of the topicality would be inappropriate for this kind of program. But um, anyway, you know, so at first I thought, oh, well, you know, I got some information about stuff and then 
uh, still working on that same story. Someone else approaches me about uh, two minutes later, also not happy <laughs> to see me. Again, with the understanding that I know reporters are not welcomed by most people at most places most of the time. So this other person was like very, I mean, not angry, but insistent. What are you doing here? Why are you taking pictures? And it's like, well, here, here's my card. Here's, I'm Bob. I, I report and... I ask questions, and then finally we wound up having an excellent conversation. So you never know. You never know. I suppose at one point my luck will run out, and then I just hope they have enough chalk for the body outline. It's 1035. Bob Joseph loving every new chapter. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Thirty-seven. This is Bob Joseph live at the studio, WNBF downtown Binghamton, taking your calls at 607-772-1290-WNBF-WNBF.com. Johnson City, you're on the line. God bless you uh, for talking about the uh, very subject I've been wanting to talk about for months, but uh, I didn't want people to think I was, uh, well, whatever. I don't care what they think. Uh, anyway, to me, the Democrats are pushing the uh, clean air thing uh, throughout the United States. You know, the federal administration, uh, we're going to electric cars and all this other stuff. So what does New York go and do? muck up the uh, air quality in New York State with the, the sweep of a pen, uh, writing that into, into law, ha- having marijuana. I'm coughing more. I'm sneezing. I'm not a happy camper. Uh, the uh, other thing is that some idiot in my neighborhood between the traffic circle and the Bible college is uh, – Now, I want to say burning a fire. A fire is burning. They're having a fire. The 90-degree days that we were having, somebody had a fire going in their yard. And it was during, uh, it was still daylight, like 6 in the evening. Why? The smoke was killing me. I I don't even use fabric softener because the the smell makes me nauseous. Everything I use is, like, odorless uh, as best as I can do it. Just, Just the smell, clean, fresh air. I, whoever is doing that fire business in that vicinity that I mentioned, uh, Riverside Drive, whatever, that between the river and Riverside Drive, what in hell is going on with burning a fire? Uh, well, have, don't you ever hang out? out? I love hanging out around a fire at night, but I, I am when not. you want to, but I. Right, but, but I'm not going to be. Too frequent. Well, I'm not going to be sitting around smoking weeds while you're. Walking on Riverside Drive or Main Street in Johnson City or wherever, I don't. I don't think anybody should be smoking stuff if if they're within breathing distance of someone else who doesn't want it. Now, if, if you're having 
What do they? What do the kids call them? If you're having a pot party, of course. Of course. You're in a that's, car next to me at a red light. Oh, that's another thing, too. Thank you. These people, Carol, and I'm not kidding, these people who are driving around smoking weed, and they are. It's not just even their passengers. I see them. I'll be at a red light at Main and Front Street, and it's summertime, so the living is easy, and I have my windows rolled down. And we're looking at each other, and they've got this spit-eating grin while they're smoking weeds, everybody in the car, all four people. And I'm like, well... Why don't you pull over? Why don't you go to Otsnego? Oh, you can't smoke at Otsnego Park. Why don't oh. you go? Why don't you go over? It's illegal to smoke at Broome County Parks. So if it can be illegal at Broome County Parks, how come it can't be illegal, like out on Court Street in Binghamton? Why do I have to walk past the parents of a two-month-old girl as that they're smoking? Is what need a call. They're smoking weed. The, kid. the poor kid. Yes. Now, I'm not. You know, she might go, grow up to become president of the United States despite despite some challenges she's going to face in childhood. One problem. That'll be the well, yeah, that'll be a big worry. But that's not the only thing. Lung problems. Who knows? I mean, if they're smoking weed right out in the open at twelve thirty-five in the afternoon on Court Street in downtown Binghamton on a weekday with their two-month-old daughter. I mean, come on. What else is going on there? Well, I looked up a word in the dictionary, and I wanted to use it to make sure I was using it correctly. And I guess it's not applicable, but it sounds like it is. It's like this whole business is like a contraindicator of what is supposed to be happening to the air quality. And, uh, and you know who to blame for that? It's Governor Kathy Hochul. No, it's not her, because this was signed Andrew, into law. Or whatever the heck Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Thank Cuomo Andrew. signed it. Exactly. That's what I said. But Kathy Hochul now is encouraging. She could use the power of her office. To, this is what she could say. If I were a speechwriter, I would, I would hand her a draft of a speech that would include a couple of points. One, the first point, recreational use of marijuana is now legal in New York State for those over the age of 21. That's the first point. Secondly, Please show respect for other New Yorkers by not smoking marijuana in public areas where other people could unwittingly encounter your secondhand marijuana smoke. And third, we encourage you to use marijuana with discretion and especially don't use it around kids. Well, that, that would be a good speech, and another reason why it would be good is she could say it. It could be a great speech, and it could last three minutes, and it could be the most important speech of her life. I, I just don't, I don't know what else to say, but I, I, I'm, I'm speechless, and, and yet I'm not. But all, all I know is I am having starting to have coughing problems, which I have never... I'm 82 years old, and my doctor keeps checking my lungs, and she always asks me, do you ever get out of breath? No. And all these things. But I can feel something is happening, and it's because of this marijuana crap. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm coughing and sneezing more. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel your pain. I don't, I don't like smelling that stuff. You it's, know, if, it's if, awful. If, it doesn't smell anything like it did at the concerts in the 70s at the arena. It's like a whole new It's a new product. kind. It's a new because kind. Somebody because somebody said to me, somebody said to me, well, are you sure it's not a skunk? And, you know, I could tell the difference between that new crap and, and the skunk smell. 
I know. It's been it's been reformulated, so it has a lot more THC than it did in the 60s and 70s. That's the that's the reality. And again, I'm not judgmental. If you if you use use, hey, I know I know people who've been doing it for decades, and it's like whatever, whatever. Everybody makes choices, so if you make a choice then be responsible. Don't drive. Don't operate machinery. Don't do it close to other people. Do it in a place where people don't have to be subjected to that. I think that would be a nice gesture. Be nice. Well, I don't want to be nice. I just want to smoke weed. What's it to you, man? It's 1045. Bob Joseph just trying to talk some uncommon sense on a Thursday morning at WNBF. I'm Ty. It's WNBF at 1047. This is Bob Joseph live on your Thursday morning. Coming up in Whitney Point, the second annual Suicide Prevention and Awareness Walk. And joining us now to tell us about this very important event is Courtney Diedrich. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am well. Thank you for joining us. And uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about what will be happening in Whitney Point on Saturday. So, yes, um, our event is... uh to help spread awareness and prevention, uh, suicide awareness and prevention. Um, at this event, there will be a leisurely walk or run uh, where you can walk at your own pace. Um, we have many donation baskets and items to raffle off. Um, there will be pumpkin painting and children's crafts, as well as refreshments and information tables. Um, yeah, so... Well, tell me, tell me how this got started last year. So uh, in 2021, we had a family member, Henry C. Diedrich. He passed away due to suicide. Um, and we wanted to help spread awareness and prevention. So my family and I, we started a, a walk. Um, and we made out so well last year, we decided to do it annually. Um, we raised over $11,000 last year to split between two organizations, um, one being the mental health um, of the Southern Tier, and then the other being Clear Path for Veterans. All right. And so if people want more information about this walk, what can they do? Yes, we have um, we have a... A page on, we do have a Facebook page on the event, but we also have a, it's called givebutter.com, and it's the Henry Diedrich uh, Second Annual Suicide Awareness and Prevention Walk. Um, 
also, so our event is held Saturday, September 16th, um, and it's at 10.30 a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m. at the Broome County Fairgrounds in Whitney Point. All right. So how many people participated in the event last year? So I actually don't have that on me right now, but we, we did have, we had a lot of people, um, definitely over 100. I, I want to say close to 200. Well, that's uh, that's a good turnout, and it looks as though the weather this Saturday will be um, very nice. So yes, I would yes, think that you may get a you may get a, an even bigger turnout for this year's event. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping so. We did great last year, and I'm hoping for a, a great, successful turnout this year as well. Um, and we're excited to see who will be there. And that'll be at the Broome County Fairgrounds on Saturday at 10:30. Yes, that's correct. Courtney Diedrich, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. It's 1051. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. It'll be lunchtime in less... I was going to say less than an hour. No, it'll be lunchtime in an hour and four minutes. So good. Eat healthy. Now have a salad. Remember, no dressing because the dressing only adds taste. (laughs) Here's a good rule of thumb. If you want to eat healthy, find the thing on the menu that has the least amount of delightfulness and taste and there you go bowl full of lettuce absolutely no absolutely no dressing don't try to jazz it up with nuts or raisins or anything else only adds things like um, fat and sugar and calories so enjoy your salad or I have a handful of granola. No, that has sugar. <laughs> Eat healthy. Uh, that's true. It's the rule of thumb. It's the rule of thumb for any any kind of food. If it has a lot of taste, a lot of flavor, most likely it's not good for you because most likely it has a lot of sugar, a lot of salt, a lot of fat, a lot of whatever. So, there. <laughs> I know you're saying, what? Are you a nutritionist? No, but I play one on the radio. Coming up next hour on WNBF, an eventful hour. We may be able to squeeze in a few phone calls, but we also 
We'll have two guests. We plan to have a couple of guests. Uh, Paul Batiste, the Republican candidate for Broome County District Attorney, will answer a few questions. Election Day, now less than two months away. Also, we'll be speaking with New York State Police Major Jeffrey Van Auken about recruiting for the state police. So, this is an informative Thursday morning. It's actually educational radio for America. And people are saying, well, I don't want to be educated. I like being poorly educated. (laughs) Okay, well. When we get to the good informative parts, turn off the radio. And then when we get back to the stuff that's not filled with great information, be sure to join us. News is coming up from ABC in a moment. First, though, a message from our friends, National Floor Center, sponsor of this message. When you're planning a flooring project for your home, stop by National Floor Center at 46 South Washington Street in Binghamton. Gotta say... The showroom is beautiful, but even even the parking lot, the whole entrance around the facility, oh, they, they, it, it just looks, it looks so nice. They keep the place looking great, inside and out. 46 South Washington Street, that's at the corner of the Vestal Parkway. National Floor Center, with all the options that you need for your next flooring project. Carpet, hardwood, tile, vinyl. Their staff knows about flooring projects. They have the expertise to help guide you. They'll help you through the design process and also set up installation. Skilled installers with decades of experience so they can make your vision a reality. National Floor Center's beautiful showroom at the corner of the Vestal Parkway and South Washington Street. A nice calming place to make stress-free choices. You really need to see it to believe it. Stop by. And get more information online at nationalfloorcenter.com. Thursday morning live. It is the 14th of September. Where, oh, where has the year gone? It's just flown right by. I'm Bob Joseph, live for you on WNBF Binghamton and WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. WNBF and WNBF.com on a Thursday morning. This is Bob Joseph. Coming up later this hour, we'll be taking some of your phone calls. So if you have thoughts about the high price of whatever, gasoline, ice cream, whatever, hold those thoughts. We'll have time later this hour for you to call in at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. And now we welcome back to the studio. Paul Battisti, the Republican candidate for Broome County District Attorney. And welcome, Mr. Battisti. Good morning, Bob. It's great to be back. So a lot has happened since your last visit to the studio. You went through, um, I think it would be safe to say, a, 
hard-fought and contentious primary battle against the existing district attorney, the current DA, Michael Korchak, and you prevailed. It wasn't even close. Uh, very grateful to the residents in Broome County, Bob. What were your thoughts about the way the primary went? Had you expected to win by that margin? Bob, I knew we had the right goal in mind, the right mission statement. And in speaking to so many residents in Broome County, uh, they want to feel safe. Uh, and we did hit numerous doors, and we got our message out, and we were very successful. Uh, we continue to do that every day, and we intend on sprinting through the finish line. You were with us um, right before the primary, not too long before the primary vote on June 27th. So some of the questions that we'll cover today may sound familiar to people, but it's relevant now that we're less than two months away from the November election, in case people hadn't been paying attention. I think the simplest and yet most important question, and I asked this of the Democratic candidate Matthew Ryan when he was here yesterday, why do you want to be Broome County District Attorney? Bob, that is a great question, and I'm asked that every single day. Uh, I've lived in this community my whole life, born and raised, now raising my family here. Public safety and quality of life are so important to me, as I know they are all the residents, all the listeners here this morning. Broome County deserves to be safe. I can't hear about another individual losing the battle to addiction, another violent crime occurring just last night. We've read articles. We've heard it here on your show this morning about two separate incidences in the village of Endicott involving shots fired. City of Binghamton involving a gun last night. This has to stop. Nobody wants to raise a family in a community like this. The district attorney has a dramatic role in ensuring quality of life for individuals, ensuring public safety is the best it can be. And as the next district attorney, I will do all I can with the appropriate team, resources, working with the great men and women of law enforcement to get that done. What can be done in Broome County to address gun violence that hasn't already been done? There have been some efforts by local and even state officials to try to deal with some of the issues that lead to gun violence. But clearly, those steps are are not working. Aggressive prosecution. Uh, ensuring the assistant district attorneys in the district attorneys have all the resources uh, they need, fully staffing the district attorney's office. Uh, I had the honor of listening to uh, County Executive Jason Garner's uh, budget address yesterday, and the district attorney's budget by the current administration uh, was prepared, and it's budgeting for 25 assistant district attorneys. Uh, by my last count, I believe we have 13 in the office, as well as numerous members of the support staff, not filled either. We need to fill the district attorney's office. We need to collaborate with community partners. We need to restore relationships between the district attorney's office and the men and women of law enforcement. By doing this, we will aggressively, pro pro aggressively prosecute, uh, prosecute crimes. We will prosecute misdemeanor crimes. We all know that failure to prosecute low-level crimes leads to an increase in higher-level crimes. We will engage in preventative services. We want to establish a mental health treatment court. We want to expand on the opioid court. We want to do more for victims. And we've got plans to address all of this. Speaking with Paul Battisti, the Republican candidate for Broome County District Attorney here on WNBF, you have received a fair amount, in fact, a significant amount of public support from law enforcement officials and leaders here in Broome County. And people have noticed that. Some people say that's great. Other people have raised some concerns that perhaps you as District Attorney perhaps would be too closely aligned with law enforcement and certainly in situations that could come up in the future where 
actions by police officers need to be closely scrutinized for for possible improper actions and and even potential criminality that it, it might not be possible for you to do that as DA. Bob, first and foremost, I want to start by saying I'm honored to have the support of almost every department in Broome County, state organizations, our sheriff, Fred Akshar, State Police Investigators Association, NYSPIA, NYSUPA, and many other agencies. It defies logic to think that you'd want a district attorney that does not have a close working relationship with the men and women of law enforcement. The budget, as I indicated, was unveiled for 2024 last night, and the mission statement in the current administration's budget was that the district attorney's office in 2024 will work very closely with the men and women of law enforcement to ensure public safety. I've been a successful attorney for almost 20 years working as a criminal defense attorney with law enforcement on the other side of the aisle, and I've been able to maintain that professional relationship the whole time. A lot of times when people want to try to point out something saying it's not appropriate that Paul Battisti has law enforcement support, it's because they don't have any law enforcement support. Uh, currently in this election in November, uh, my opponent does not have the support of the men and women of law enforcement. Um, and I submit he does not respect the men and women of law enforcement. And that is documented uh, by his prior record as mayor of the city of Binghamton. And be specific. What, what in his prior record when he was mayor suggests that he doesn't have um, perhaps the best interest of law enforcement at heart. He cut law enforcement, which is the backbone of public safety, by a number higher than any mayor in the city of Binghamton history. Uh, he let the Binghamton Police Department go five years without a contract. He raised taxes by 55% in his eight years, and none of that money went to refunding law enforcement positions. Uh, it went to creating a roundabout. It went to creating the war clock on the city of Binghamton, and it went to the Occupy Binghamton uh, in downtown Binghamton, where many people were living in tents for an extended period of time. We need a district attorney that can work with the men and women of law enforcement, a district attorney that supports the men and women of law enforcement. One of the big issues we're seeing throughout New York State currently, and there was a great article done by the Times Union up in Albany roughly two weeks ago, is that thousands of cases, thousands of charges are being dismissed every day throughout New York State. And it's because of the horrible discovery laws that took effect January 1st of 2020. One of the most essential parts of that legislation under Section 245 of the Criminal Procedure Law is that the district attorney must work with the men and women of law enforcement to ensure the free flow of information known as discovery to make sure cases can be certified if a misdemeanor within 90 days, if a felony within six months. If that doesn't happen, the case must be dismissed, and we're seeing that happen every single day. Are those time limits unrealistic given the caseload that DA's offices across the state, including Broome County, you're aware the DA's office here in Binghamton is inundated with cases and and things didn't get any better during the COVID pandemic and maybe progress is being made to uh, expedite handling of cases. But still, there's uh, an amazing workload that the office faces, even fully staffed. Can the Broome County DA's office meet those state-mandated deadlines to provide provide, uh, appropriately speedy justice? As the next district attorney in Broome County, we will comply. Uh, we don't agree with the legislation, but we must comply with it. We must fully staff the district attorney's office. We must sit down with the men and women of law enforcement and ensure there is a free flow of information. Too many people say it can't be done. Too many people talk about excuses. 
I don't want to hear excuses. I want to explain how it's going to be done, and we will do that. Because when we don't do that, victims don't have a voice. Offenders are not held responsible. And individuals that are broken, individuals that truly need help, whether it's substance misuse, whether it's mental health, they're not getting the help they need. It's not going to change. Under a one-party rule, we are going to continue to see this despite the lobbying, despite the legislative efforts that are occurring in Albany. But to ensure the quality of life and public safety in Broome County is the best it can possibly be, we will get it done. What are some of the uh, other issues? Name, say, three other issues that you haven't touched on yet that you think will be important for voters to consider when they go to the polls on November 7th. The School Resource Office program is one of them. It is an incredible program. I want to expand it. I talked about this during the primary. We must expand it. The school resource office program currently has roughly 19 uh, men and women of law enforcement in schools throughout Broome County. I want to double that. I think it's important that these members of law enforcement are in the school. They work as mentors. They establish relationship with our youth. If we can establish good working relationships with our youth at a young age, the potential, the possibility for them to be successful is so much greater. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and one out of four youth in the United States grow up without a father. And we know how that can impact you as you get older. These SROs can be in the school. They can assist with unfortunate situations that may come in. They may sit in classrooms, establish relations, educate, talk about the negatives of substance misuse. We must expand that. That's one. The second is domestic violence. We are seeing a horrible uptick of domestic violence cases right here in Broome County. Just this year, we're hearing about murder-suicides regarding domestic relationships. This must stop. Um, I had the honor and privilege of meeting with the Westchester County uh, District Attorney's Office recently, talking about their uh, lethality assessment program, the LAP program. Currently, RISE is partnering with the uh, Endicott Police Department as well as Johnson City and the Crime Victims Assistance Center will be working with the Binghamton Police and the Sheriff's Department where advocates are readily accessible to meet with victims immediately when police respond. They will engage in a questionnaire and based on that rubric, that number will indicate to the victim the possibility of recidivism, what's going to happen. We will immediately get them in the hands of individuals that can assist them, get them stable housing, get them counseling, get them orders of protection, because this has got to stop. Um, overdoses, Bob. In 2022, uh, we saw more overdoses in Broome County than we've ever seen. Um, the Adult Treatment Corps, I was a defense attorney on that for many years. I currently have the honor of sitting on the Addiction Center of Broome County Board. We must do more for individuals battling addiction. Currently in the 6th Judicial District, that is the district uh, where Broome County is, uh, we are seeing Shenango County, Delaware County, and Cortland County get additional funding for an opioid court. As you're aware from bail reform, many offenses that an individual could be remanded on, they no longer can be. Many people are seeing judges under the influence, and the judge has no option but to release them back into the public. I want to establish our own opioid court here in Broome County. And it's as simple as having an individual in the correctional facility when people are waiting to be arraigned on charges be evaluated. The district attorney's office will be present at arraignments. If an individual wants treatment, the sheriff's department will transport them to Helio Health to an immediate bed. These are options that we've got to offer. If there's 10 people and nine say no and one says yes, that's one person we are changing. And those other nine, they may say yes next time. Those are three issues that we have got to dramatically focus on to make Broome County safer and to stop this vicious cycle.
Our guest is Paul Battisti, the Republican candidate for Broome County District Attorney. We're live on a Thursday morning on WNBF. When Matthew Ryan was here 24 hours ago, I asked him to just comment briefly about the three men who have been DA in Broome County over the last few decades. First, just your thoughts on the job that Michael Korchak has done. You defeated him in the Republican primary. Just uh, a brief assessment on his time as DA. I've talked a lot about Mr. Korchak's time as district attorney um, over the last uh, several months. Uh, I will say, as I've said many times, uh, Mike and I did not agree on much, but I always respected uh, his work ethic through the campaigns. Uh, Steve Cornwall, obviously, based upon news and coverage, we know what happened to Steve. I think Steve had many creative ideas. Uh, he created a lot of collaborations uh, that are no longer in existence, collaborations with the Addition Center of Broome County, many diversionary programs. Uh, he did start the School Resource Office program, uh, which were great programs. Uh, Gerald Mollen uh, would be the one before that. He was in the position for many years. Almost three decades. He did. And he created uh, the Child Advocacy Center at the Crime Victims Assistance Center, uh, which was cutting edge at that time. Um, I always respected his dedication to, as district attorney, many individuals believe the district attorney is there to solely secure convictions. Jerry Mullen always had the model that his role was to ensure justice is always done. And justice is not always what's popular or always necessarily what the public uh, wants you to do. Getting back to Michael Korchak, during his few years as the DA, do you know any assessments? I mean, now that primary is over and you've defeated him for the nomination. You know, any any initiatives that he did that, that you thought were positive? As far as initiatives, uh, coming in in January 1st of 2020, uh, you met the discovery reform and you met the bail reform. Um, for district attorneys throughout New York State, that was very difficult. Some did it well, some did not. Um, the efforts that the Broome County District Attorney's Office uh, tried to do I respect. Um, they're working with not many assistant district attorneys. There's a high turnover. People are leaving. Um, I believe it's for some leadership styles, but then at the same time, we're seeing that in other offices uh, as well. Um, as far as the voluminous amount of charges and cases that are being dismissed, uh, that must stop, and I will ensure it stops. But it was definitely a difficult modification to the criminal procedure law and bail reform to immediately adapt to, not to mention COVID during that time. It's a hard job. I mean, obviously, district attorney is serves as the face of the office, but then the other people, the the other prosecutors are doing the the difficult day-to-day -day grind and going through uh, situations where they're working long, long days, 12 hours, 14 hours, sometimes working more than five days a week. And it seems to me it's no surprise that a lot of people wind up getting burnt out fast and becoming somewhat disenchanted, disillusioned, and think, oh, I'd rather go into private practice or some other type of law where it's not as stressful and it's going to give a better work-life balance. So how do you address that to try to keep people incentivized and stay on the job as a prosecutor, even when it seems that the, the work never ends? You know, I think it comes down to leadership. 
when you have an effective leader, you'll do anything you can to get the job done. Um, one thing I want to institute in the district attorney is a local court supervisor. Currently, there is no local court supervisor in the district attorney's office. Typically, the assistant district attorneys that are working in the local court are individuals that just came out of law school, do not have much experience. The local court supervisor would be an individual with extensive experience that can train these assistant district attorneys so they're not humiliated, so they're not embarrassed, so they don't not know what they don't know, so they are equipped. That's one. The second is making sure the assistant district attorneys have all the tools they need, making sure an office is fully staffed, making sure the office has a support system, making sure the office has an effective way to work with the men and women of law enforcement to ensure the free flow of information so the cases can be deemed appropriate to proceed to trial so they can be what we call in the legal community certified. The other is to ensure that they are being paid a fair wage. You're absolutely correct. Uh, the 18B rate throughout New York State just went from $75 an hour to $158 an hour. And that's across the board, whether it's a violation, misdemeanor, or felony case. We will do all we can. We've already got some great ideas and we've had some meetings uh, with the legislature already to try to pay the assistant district attorneys, your senior assistant district attorneys, more current money. Uh, and I think based on that, staff development, ongoing training, um, that is what people want. People want to stay. People want to be lifelong prosecutors. And we've got to create the environment where they can be. The Democratic candidate, Matthew Ryan, when he was here yesterday, indicated he would consider offering the current DA... Michael Korchak, a role in the office if Mr. Ryan is elected in November. What do you think about that? So, Bob, after I won the primary, I received many calls from individuals. Uh, so I did my due diligence and determined that it's not appropriate to comment pre-November 7th is successful who you keep, who you'll offer a position to, and who you won't. So that's not something uh, that I can comment. What I can say is I am always willing to sit down and speak to anybody if I am blessed to be the next district attorney uh, post-November 7th. So you would sit down with Michael Korchak? I would sit down with anybody that wanted to speak to me, even including you, Bob, again. So you're not prepared to say that if elected on November 7th, I'm going to clean house and a lot of the people who've been working at the DA's office likely should look for other work. Bob, what I can say is what I have been educated upon, uh, having not been in this situation more than once. Um, I cannot appropriately comment what I will or won't do, um, but every individual who's currently in a position if I am successful on November 7th, I look forward to speaking to every single one of you. Matthew Ryan says he hopes this will be a clean campaign. Will it be over the next several weeks? Bob, as I said, when I announced in February of this year, I do not intend on anything being negative. Facts are facts. Uh, the residents of this wonderful community where we all reside need to make educated decisions, and I'll keep it at that. Will you make anything of the arrests that uh, are on Matthew Ryan's record? Who's arrest? Matt Ryan's arrest over the decades, various ad demonstrations and things like that. Is that um, something that would be brought up? I know he was recently arrested uh, by the Johnson City Police, I believe, Bob. You may know more than I do. And the charges are pending, I think, in Johnson City Court. Um, but like I said... Let's say being arrested at, say, a Vietnam War protest 
half a century ago here at the the federal building on, on Henry Street and some other involvement in other protests and demonstrations. Is is that something that would come up during the campaign between now and November seventh? Bob, I'm not I'm not gonna speculate. I just think if there's facts out there and the community needs to know about those facts so they can make an educated decision on November seventh, they should know about those facts. Now what you're telling me I was I was never aware of that. I am aware of a recent arrest at the Johnson City Wegmans uh, for failure to comply with law enforcement is the allegation. And have you ever been are, arrested? Um, I have not. Nor have I. Okay. It's 1128 on WNBF. One other important question. Will you return to the studio here to have a live discussion with Matthew Ryan about the issues between now and Election Day. Bob, you always end with that question. I always look forward to it. And you know, as much as I know, every time I run, I always do debates. You're always present. You're always always the one uh, asking questions. I have reached back out to try to get uh, a debate scheduled. I'm not sure where we are with that. Uh, but I do anticipate a debate with uh, Matt Ryan. I look forward to it, and I look forward to having you there. Most likely on WSKG. Have you contacted them? Uh, I believe so. That's where we did it last time. And I believe that's where we did it the time before Is that. Is that your preference to do do a conversation there about the issues instead of having it here? I, I think typically the campaigns talk about it like we did last time, then we decide. You know, I'm really open to whatever. Paul Battisti. Oh, one other question. Will you at least come back here for another one-on-one conversation between now and Election Day? Of course. I'll look forward to it. Thank you, Bob. Always good to see you. Thank you for your time. We had uh, the Democratic candidate, Matthew Ryan, here yesterday. And, of course, Paul Battisti, the Republican candidate, is with us today. We'll continue to cover the issues facing Broome County voters as we look forward to the November 7th election. Thank you. It's 1130. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF 1134. I'm Joseph live on a Thursday morning. Let's go back to the phones. Vic from the Forks, you're on the air. Hi, Bob. Uh, I listened to your interview with Mr. Battisti, and uh, in my opinion, he is the worst choice for the DA for exactly the reasons he said he was going to be a good DA, that he has a good relationship with Fred Axiar, the Broome County Sheriff, and uh, he already used that relationship to have his ex-wife arrested, and that's a matter of public record. And I believe the arrest was made outside of Axiar's district. Uh, Mr. Battisti says that it's important for law enforcement to have a good communication and, and with the police department, which I agree, it is important. But no one should be beholding to to a law enforcement agency the way this guy will be held accountable. Because one, Fred Axiar, 
uh, which I thought was totally inappropriate, helped campaign for him, helped finance his campaign, endorsed him, and, and he already has a judge and maybe two judges in his pocket, and now they have the DA. Therefore, there are checks and balances on the justice system here in New York and up Broome County, New York, will be one-sided. And they will have the power amongst the two judges, Fred Axiar and this guy Batisti, as a district attorney, to point their finger at whoever they choose and prosecute. And, and they can do it because we all know uh, we all know that not everybody's honest. And if they have somebody... Well, some people are honest. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Joe Biden's honest. We'll go with that. But um, my, my point is, Bob, Broome County, and, and I'm, I'm a Republican that came out in favor of Matt Ryan, who him and I have a history of not liking each other's politics. Well, not only a history, you were arrested by the New York State, or no, he was arrested by the New York State Police for a confrontation he had with you at Davies Last Chance Saloon. You, you, so that's why I thought the, the fact that a few weeks ago, you and Matt Ryan showed up at Davies one afternoon, and you were endorsing him for DA. You know, like I said, we had a very strong political advocacy toward each other, not advocacy, but opinion. And and that's what caused that little scuffle at uh, uh, Davies. But because of that little scuffle, Matt Ryan and I started talking, as you well know. We talked on the phone about politics. We still disagree with a lot of politics. We still disagree immensely on gas drilling in New York. But we need a district attorney that is not beholden to the sheriff's office or, or the Binghamton Police Department or any other law enforcement agency, but will prosecute simply on the basis of the crime put before him, that's presented to him, and not because favors are old. It's called checks and balances, Bob. If Batisti gets elected, there's no checks and balances in the Broome County Justice Department unless we get an honest judge that's going to, know what the hell's going on, and stop it. By the way, Vic, you know judges listen to this program. Well, that we, you know, I hope Judge Gorman's listening, because I talked to her over three years ago about Mr. Battisti's character. And if she wants to deny it, I hope she does, because uh, I, I've got some, I got a surprise. I got a surprise coming up for this election. All right, all right. I appreciate the uh, call. Keep me posted. Hey, will do. 11.38 at WNBF. Well, it turns out the state police have arrived, and it's uh, not a moment too soon. Coming up next, we talk with the commander of the New York State Police, Troop C, Major Jeffrey Van Auk. And that's next here on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. What? Thursday morning at WNBF, WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph. Joining us now in the studio is Major Jeffrey Van Auken, the commander of State Police Troop C, based at Sydney. Welcome back to our program. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. How are things going in Sydney? Ah, things are going so far so good, pretty smooth. All right. That's, that's what I hope to hear. You're uh, joining us this morning to talk about State Police Recruitment, New York State Police continuing to um, look for more New Yorkers who would be interested in joining the Division of State Police. First of all, tell us when you 
uh, meet with young people who perhaps are considering uh, their career options, what do you usually tell them if um, they have any kind of interest at all in going into law enforcement and perhaps might consider joining the state police? Well, um, someone that wants to have a public service uh, employment job like this New York State Police would be a fantastic option for them. Um, we're a large department. I think right now we're probably the ninth largest police department in the United States, not just amongst the states, uh, state police agencies. Um, somebody that wants to help their community, wants to stay local, we're looking for Troop C um, candidates um, to, to take our test. You know, we, we, we service Broome, Tioga, Tompkins. Portland, Shenango, Otsego, and Delaware counties. So we would like to get some local folks here um, to take the test, to come on a job, and, and to stay and to serve our community. Of course, uh, state police, like law enforcement agencies around the country, have put an increased emphasis on diversity over the last few years and trying to encourage people who may not be sufficiently represented in an agency. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting it was 50 years ago that the first woman joined the New York State Police, a trooper who was sworn in 50 years ago this month, and she was a Binghamton High School graduate. And and then four other women also were, were sworn in shortly after. There had been a court case, and, and the other four were delayed before they could be sworn in. But uh, the one who managed to get in from Binghamton High School, her score... Uh, was high enough, so there was she was not among those who had to wait. So she she made history in in Broome County and for New York State a half century ago. But it occurs to me, looking at the ranks, there are more women and more minorities in the state police, but it still in in no way represents the diversity of New York State's population. That that is that's a true statement. So we're, we are looking for diversity in our ranks. We're doing everything we can to uh, you know attract. People from all walks of life, you know, every ethnic group, um, females. Uh, the governor has her 20, 30 by 2030 initiative, 30% women in the, in the New York State work, workforce by 2030. Um, but ultimately, we want our police department, our troop, our ranks to be representative of our citizens that we serve. And that's, that's the ultimate in, in any police department uh, as far as the demographics are concerned. What are the basic requirements to be considered to be a New York State trooper? If somebody's listening, and I wouldn't say necessarily because of WNBF's demographics, there aren't, uh, there probably aren't a lot of people listening right now who are young enough to consider becoming a trooper, but they may have children or grandchildren who would certainly qualify and, and certainly would be able to, uh, consider, uh, applying and ultimately going to the academy. What are some of the basic requirements? Absolutely. So you have to be a U.S. citizen. Um, you have to be 20 years old at the time that you apply. You can be up to 34 years old. Um, to that actually, recently changed. That did. That recently changed. That's a good change, too, because we're bringing on more mature individuals. Um, and with military folks that have up to seven years of active duty time, you can be up to 42 years of age and to, to take the exam and to come on our job. That's a huge change, too. Um uh, at the time you take the test, you need to have a, your GED or diploma, your high school diploma at application. Um, when you're accepted or appointed, you need to have at least 60 college credits um, unless the state police will credit you 30 credits. They'll waive that for two years or more of active duty service. 
Um, or if you have a certified police officer training course, they'll also waive that 30 of those credits to come on. So let's that, say, that's what, a good thing. What if a young person has had uh, one scrape with the law? Say there's something on his or her record. Does that automatically disqualify them? Say if they, they've had had a brush with the law, does that mean they can't ever be considered as um, a, a state police recruit? So, <clears throat> no. The, the, certain things will definitely disqualify you, and, that, and that's all on our website. Um, and I'll tell you that when, when, it, when the time comes. Um, we're looking for well-qualified candidates. We're not looking for perfection because none of us are perfect. But someone that's well-qualified, um, that wants to serve their community, wants to come into law enforcement, sign up, take the test, give it a shot, see what see what comes about. Once you get to the background, you have sm- something small in your background that's you know maybe several years you've done something as a uh, as a youthful person. You know, we, we've uh, we've had that type of uh, people in our that have had that in their background and have managed to come on our job. I've never had the privilege to take the exam. How tough is the exam? Well. I haven't taken the exam since uh, December of 1992. Um, so we have, uh, there's actually uh, a company that makes our exam for us, and and we're actually, the exam now is being done at test locations across the country and at military bases across the country. So so access now is, is easier than it used to be. Absolutely. I remember taking a test at Binghamton University in this great big lecture hall that was just filled with people. But now, I mean, as times change and as technology's changed, you know, we have these testing centers, and uh, this is this is actually a, a good option for those that can't make it to one one central place to take the exam. Major Jeffrey Van Auken is in charge of State Police Troop C here in the Southern Tier. We're talking about State Police recruitment. Tell me about the academy. Obviously, we only have a. We don't have a long time to talk about the academy, but one thing, you, there is a physical aspect. You you have to be able to run, so that, that would automatically disqualify me. But <laughs> but that's not the only thing. The State Police Academy covers all aspects, all facets of law enforcement in the 21st century. It does. So, I mean, you have to meet certain physical requirements to get actually even get into the academy. So once you have that baseline... Um, at the academy, it's, it's tough. It's six months long. You live in Albany during the week, um, Monday through Friday. You're able to come home on the weekends. Um, but it's, it's intense. It's an intense six month, uh, training process. You have firearms, you have penal law, you have, um, defensive tactics. You, you learn everything that you need to know to be an effective and, um, an effective and highly proficient police officer in New York State. One thing too that, Many people in New York may not realize about the state police. There are a lot of aspects of the, of the division of state police. It's not just patrolling highways and traffic enforcement, stopping speeders and making sure people are buckled up. There are a lot of other parts of the state police that a lot of people may never actually see. It's a, it's a very large organization with, with specialized units. No, that, that is true. It's just like the Marine Corps. Every Marine is a rifleman. Every trooper comes in and begins as a trooper, okay? Um, so we're a full-service police department. We don't just do highway patrol. We do county patrol. We handle complaints. We handle burglaries. We handle EMS calls. Um, we're equipped with AEDs and Narcan. We go to a lot of different um, emergency calls. We save many, many people every day. And that's some things that, that the community doesn't see. Um, in 
the highway patrol aspect, that's a big part of our job. Um, DWI enforcement, highway traffic safety, that's a big part. But as you meet certain milestones and have certain time on the job, you can apply to become a member of our sort team, which is our equivalent of our SWAT team. You can become one of our uh, divers. It's our underwater recovery team, um, equivalent to our to scuba. You can be a firearms instructor. You can do. You be an ATV operator. You can do all sorts of different um, collateral duties that we have. And always emerging computer-related crimes uh, with ever-evolving technology. There probably are going to be all sorts of uh, new responsibilities for state troopers going forward in the coming years. Absolutely. We have a very large computer crime unit. Um, we run our crime lab system in New York State. Um, our Bureau of Criminal Investigation is another arm. You can become an investigator, which is our equivalent of a detective. Um, there's, this, there's just so many options. Um, if you choose to climb the, the ladder, the rank ladder, you can become a sergeant, you can become a lieutenant and move up, and you can maybe someday become a troop commander like myself. I know a lot of people who've been in law enforcement, they're currently in or currently retired, but one thing that I have come to sense is that this is perhaps one of the most challenging times for people to be a police officer or a state trooper, not just locally, but anywhere you look in the United States. Things are constantly changing, and as it turns out, and you you know this and your colleagues know this full well, sometimes... uh, Police are are not celebrated in among some communities, and and what do you tell people who are interested and yet sometimes afraid? I've heard from people in some communities that they they might like to be a police officer or a state trooper, but they're kind of concerned that they wouldn't have support from their family or or a circle of friends. Well, to become a police officer, I mean, especially a New York State trooper, and, and I'll, I'll say this: we are. As an organization, we're an apolitical organization. We enforce the laws equally across the board, no matter who's in office, no, no matter what. Um, as far as the climate, uh, we roll with the climate, but we do everything professionally. We handle ourselves in a professional manner, and we enforce the laws evenly and effectively across the board, no matter what. People are interested in getting more information about a career as a New York State trooper. What can they do? The best thing to do is go to our website. It's joinstatepolice.ny.gov. It's all one word, joinstatepolice.ny.gov. It has everything on it that you could ask, ask for as far as our employment goes, and you can even sign up for the test through that website. And is there uh, a deadline that uh, you're promoting to encourage people to to try to apply by? Well, I would recommend if you're looking to, if you want to apply, I recommend you getting on it as soon as you can because uh, the testing um, is going on right now. It's a rolling testing, and it's going to end October 15th. All right. So within the next few weeks would be be wise if people have an inclination. And just because you take the test and you pass the test, you don't you're not required then to go to the academy. No, there's a whole lot. So after you take the test, you become on an eligible list. Then you know, then you can avail yourself to be on. Um, investigate. Okay, they'll have a background investigation, and there's a lot of different aspects to it. But just because you take the test doesn't mean you have to take the job. But if you don't take the test, you can't get the job. So you may as well just give it a shot if you have any interest at all, and see what happens. And again, that website it's joinstatepolice.ny.gov.
Major Jeffrey Van Auken, the commander of State Police Troop C, based in Sydney. Thank you so much for being with us in the studio. Thank you, Bob. It's 11.52. We're live and local on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Looking for... WNBF 1155. This is Bob Joseph, live at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Stay connected with us using the free WNBF app. And, oh, this. <laughs> I can't use that yet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we'll have to have to look into that particular story a little bit more closely. Coming up this afternoon online on WNBF.com, we will definitely have some interesting stories that I think will be intriguing. So news developments that we cover uh, on the air, of course, on the radio, and also online at WNBF.com. So pay attention to the website. I think you'll be glad you did. You know, the news the news just never stops around here, which is a good thing. Even though it's Binghamton, the news just won't stop. Here's the weather forecast. Mostly sunny this afternoon. High 67, mainly clear tonight. There will be some patchy fog overnight, low 45. Sunny tomorrow, high 70, and partly sunny Saturday, high 70. Right now, in downtown Binghamton, at 63 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Of course, just because we have spent the morning focused on local issues, it doesn't mean that they're aren't other things going on in the world. There, of course, are some major <laughs> developments that that will occur, especially in the world of politics. Yeah, maybe we'll hold off on politics today. Yeah, I can't talk about politics in the final three minutes of the program. That wouldn't be appropriate, would it? You know, someone is saying, well, of course. No, we'll talk about politics perhaps tomorrow. Let's talk about the colors of autumn. There. <laughs> I know you're going to say, but now you're going to stir something up talking about the bright colors of autumn. Well, it turns out, believe it or not, we might have a beautiful, beautiful, colorful autumn around here. I have seen a few stories that suggest because we've had a hot and wet summer that we may, in fact, have uh, a very, very uh, beautiful fall. We see a story on the Albany Times Union website. A professor at SUNY Albany says the heavy rainfall that we had could mean a very colorful fall. He says, Paul Roundy from SUNY Albany. So that's a, a key ingredient to having a colorful fall. So 
all this rain we've had lately could delay the changing of the leaves, but ultimately it says when the leaves do change, the colors may be spectacular. So it said this... uh, put out this statement. Somebody from the DEC, oh, a forester at the DEC, said um, the conditions mean we'll see a lot a lot more reds and yellows, probably. He said this summer's weather is setting up for a potential good fall color season across the state. And the professor from SUNY Albany said, well, there's a bit of uncertainty because it depends on how the weather evolves through the fall. It said warmer and wetter weather can delay the changes, though colorful leaves have already been spotted in some places. Season typically peaks upstate in mid-October and early October at higher elevations like the Adirondacks. So there, that's as much controversy as we can get into in the final moments of our program on this Thursday. And my thanks to uh, all of our guests. Turned out to be uh, busier than usual Thursday. I will say that tomorrow morning we will have... uh, Actually, we're going to have a very special guest who has only been here once before. So we'll have a very special guest on the program tomorrow, but we'll have plenty of time for your phone calls tomorrow. So I encourage you to tune in tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Bob Joseph. Hope you have a good afternoon listening to 